Hello, everybody. We return with the Arts Equator Theatre podcast just barely. We're back. We're back. There have been good reasons for this absence, as you are all aware. But now we're back to talk about some plays. Do we still call them plays? It's hard to say what they are. Theatrical experiments? Live experiences. Live Zoom experiences. Anyway, it's still theatre, <laughs> which have started cropping up lately. We're going to be talking about Fat Kids Are Harder to Kidnap on Zoom, the latest iteration in a long-running interactive sketch series, and also Murder at Mandai Camp. I'm joined, as usual, by Naeem Kapadia. Hello, everyone. And Nabila Saeed. Hi. And let's start with Murder at Mandai Camp. Yeah, sure. So Murdered Mandai Camp is by Sightlines Productions. Um, and they've not done anything new in, in the last couple of years. They, they were mm. a little bit more active a few years ago. Um, so it was very nice to see them sort of come back into the space and especially trying to tackle theatre in this new normal that mm. we've all been thrust into due to the COVID pandemic. Um, and what this place is about, so it's written by Chong Tzu Qian. It's about the murder of a recruit um, on the eve of his passing out parade through a rather gruesome disembowelment. And we are taken through a series of um, investigations by the army as to what led to this murder and who is the potential suspect. And the two people who are brought up are his fellow recruit, a guy called Tan Chi Ming, and his platoon officer who's called Hazik Ali, played by Erwin Shah. And it was quite interesting. So um, maybe we should talk a little bit about the setup. So basically before this, uh, before we join the show on Zoom, we are told to um, to join. subscribe to a Telegram channel. Which um, is kind of like WhatsApp, but somehow different for those yeah. We don't know. So so we we all are part of this Telegram channel and that's the primary means by which they send information to us. And during the course of the show, which is presented as an investigation by this investigating officer. Well, indeed, we are cast as investigators. Cast that's as how investigators. they referred to us, wasn't it? So we are presented with bits of evidence that are, you know, shown to us as clips on the Zoom interface itself, but also through messages and and videos that are sent through the Telegram channel. So there are these two modes of communication and the stories told to us through two devices simultaneously. Yep. Mm. Nabila, what did you think about that? Well, there's two things that I'm, that I'm thinking about. The first thing is that it's actually also built as a supernatural murder mystery. So there is a ghost. Um... <laughs> Yeah, I was trying to make the, the spooky sound, but it didn't work. <laughs> and the other element that Naim was saying was there's a Telegram chat. And I was like super into the Telegram chat. I was an active <laughs> texter. I was sending like, you know, GIFs and stuff. Um, but it was also because I was really, really scared. So I was using the chat as almost like a decompression space where I could be funny. And, and you know, mm. everyone was also scaring each other in the chat as well. Because um, within the frames of the story, there would be sometimes you would see the actual ghost, right? Like Little flashes here and there in the background, yeah. right? Yeah. Yeah, yeah. So I was super scared. And for me, the chat was a really exciting kind of um, addition to the whole experience. That was interesting for me. I'm not really one who responds to horror in that way. I don't I don't get it in that sense, but I very much enjoy seeing other people be scared. And I I kind of like horror for that reason. Mm. I can see what it does for people. Mm. But usually live in the theatre, something like Woman in Black, when there's the jump scare, everybody goes, ah, and laughs. (laughs) 
which I guess breaks the tension. And then usually the people in the audience kind of react to that laughter. And it's this mm. strange kind of undercutting for mm. a moment until you return to the seriousness of the horror. The issue for me with the Telegram chat, and I can see why from your perspective you did it, but from my perspective who didn't necessarily want to engage with that, it was a lot of information coming at once and it rather undercut the rest of the play for me. And I guess because in the theatre it's just the occasional outburst of shocked laughter, it's fairly easy to re-establish tone. Mm. But the Telegram chat was absolutely continuous. And also, yeah. in a sense, compulsory because they were pushing information which was part of the investigation from the official account yeah. occasionally. So personally, I didn't participate in the Telegram chat, but there was also... An you didn't even realise it was there, right? I didn't even right? know that yeah. we had to go into the chat till the very end. So there's basically yeah. a chat which is only between the audience participants, but there's also an official channel where the creators of the show send information to us. So I was still following that. Mm. And that itself, together with the you know information which we watch on the screen, was quite enough for me. And mm. you know, yeah. for me, I, I prefer something that's a little bit purer. Um, I I don't want to have too many distractions. I don't want to be toggling devices all the time when I'm watching. So I wouldn't necessarily have enjoyed that constant interruption from the Telegram channel. But I can see how some people might enjoy that because that's the way we consume information yeah, these days. There's exactly. the official story, yeah. but then there's, you know, the sort of separate conversations that take a life of its own yeah. online. And I think there is a, a, a layer of audience who can do that multitasking yeah. like really well. Um, and it yeah. serves a purpose for you if it's if it's that kind of way out of your exactly, fear, so yeah. to speak. And also, I, I guess it's an attempt to replace that liveness and interactivity of theatre. And mm. I look, it's definitely a worthwhile experience, even if it didn't yeah. pay off for me. And I've done similar things. I, I did a devised production with students a couple of years ago where it was about it was called attention, attention, and it's about where you put your focus. Mm. And so we didn't have any lighting from the lighting rig. We just had some audience members with like miners lamps on their foreheads and wherever they looked was where was lit. Mm. So and similarly, we we kind of had WhatsApp integrated in the show. Mm. But there it was a choice. Like you could either watch the stage or like read the WhatsApp. And so then it was kind of thematically relevant, right. I guess. Yeah, yeah, Whereas yeah. in this, for me, it was just a little bit of an undercut. Yes, I, I, I see what you mean because like I, I remember in the chat on my, the day that I watched um, because it's set in the army, right? So there were like really like, um, you know, comments about Ivan Lim mm. um, who's like, you know, the politician who never was um, like com coming into the chat because that's what people were thinking about like outside of the play, right? And and it felt like the chat was like that it's fair game to talk about anything and everything. Yeah. So so like like real life would kind of like seep into the chat in that sense. And there were some comments on there that were really responding to the themes that were in the play. It's not like it was all memes and gifs, you know. No. It was although you played your part in that apparently. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So maybe we can talk about the story a little yeah, bit. Yeah, let's, yeah. And let's do that for the benefit of those who didn't actually watch it. So it's, um, as I mentioned, it's about the death of this recruit in the army by a rather gruesome disembowelment. Mm. And there are also themes of privilege that are brought about in the place. So this recruit comes from a fairly privileged background. The one who was killed, right? The one who was killed and his father was a fairly influential person. And because of the father's influence, everyone in his immediate platoon gets preferential treatment and things term like that. The term for that is that he's a white horse, white right? Horse. Which gives you special treatment and that's, that's in the a army. term which they use in the army for people who come from this kind of privileged background 
background. And there's clearly a resentment which his fellow platoon mates feel about the mm. fact that he comes from this privileged background, whereas yeah. they are kind of more of the typical salt of the earth, um, yeah. everyday Singaporeans. And I yeah. think for me, I felt that could have been excavated a little bit more. And I'm also thinking about some of the other army plays that we've seen in the Singapore theatre canon, in particular like Chong Tzu Chien's Charged, Charged, which was a, a very well-received play several years ago. Thematically similar. Yeah, um, with the class. Class yeah. divides and racial divides as well. I That's think it true. was... Um, was it the death of um, uh, there was a Chinese a Malay, and a Malay NS man NS shot man. by yes. a Chinese yeah. one so and again here you have that Malay there's one Malay character there's yeah. one Chinese character and then this recruit is from a slightly more ambiguous potentially Eurasian other mm. um, category there is clearly a space to explore some of these divides I felt that was not excavated mm. maybe as as well as I hoped. Maybe it was a bit like sacrificed by all the other elements of, of the yeah, show. Yeah, I think that's the problem, that I couldn't quite tell how well excavated it was because we're not in the theatre building anymore. So then can you get away with the text-heavy thing that is a play where we have that mm. person in a space who's able to judge how fast we can go with the information? But it's also not cinema, so you don't get that very dialogue-sparse visual aesthetic. Mm, yeah. And this kind of had the verboseness of theatre, but without that sense of waiting for us to catch up and compounded with the Telegram chat. Mm. I often couldn't tell what was going on. Mm. It also drew a lot on, I mean, there was also a lot of filmic kind of like language that was happening as well. Yeah. So like what, I feel like what you're saying is also that they were drawing on the language of two kind of like mm. spaces, like film and then theatre, and then the Zoom and Telegram. So maybe that's why it kind of like contributed to it being very dense. Yeah. You know yeah. what, it also, although I wasn't necessarily with the play in the way that it maybe intended me to be thematically and mm -hmm. following the narrative, I was really excited in the technical experimentation. <laughs> like mm. that totally made it worth watching for me. Mm. Can you explain a little bit about that? Because maybe we didn't catch some of that. Oh, right. Well, for one thing, they had really good green screen work and they had some excellent lighting, which, I mean, they're doing this under lockdown. Mm. Oh, we're not supposed to call it that. They're doing it under circuit breaker. <laughs> <laughs> and I thought they did an amazing job for that. But as well as that, if you think the way that cinema is filmed, obviously the camera cuts, it moves, you get the pushes in. We don't get that in theatre. We're stuck in one seat. Mm. So they went with that theatrical idea of the static camera, but then they really played very interestingly with what was included in the frame, mm. with proximity to the lens. So you had Bright at one point, really like we can see his nostril hairs because that's <laughs> how close he is. And then he's right at the back of the frame. And then he runs off the frame for a, for a minute or two. And mm. just, and that for me captured the spirit of the, the supernatural. Because when you got that empty frame, when there's this one kind of alien eye that's watching everything, that's, mm. a, that's a creepy look. I thought they used that very well. Mm. Yeah, I think the filmic aspect for me, again, drew me in. Because even the main investigation itself was was very slickly done. You know, mm. you have a very nice backdrop. You've got this, you know, army officer who's 
talking to you, the investigator. And he's got some kind of minority report screens yeah, up in yeah, the background. Yeah, exactly. It was cool. It's, it's, it's it sort of cool. like exactly that's minor. That's what yeah. I was thinking actually. The minority report <laughs> thing where he's like, and now let's listen to this video file. Click, and Point. then it yeah. sort of comes into <laughs> your phone. Yeah. And then there's this yeah. little box that goes transmitting or something like that. And yeah, then you yeah. get this this little Telegram update, and you get a video clip. So mm. you know, I felt all of those audio video kind of multimedia aspects they were synced very well and yeah. I think for a play that's effectively an experiment it was done well it definitely was engaging I think yeah. the response um, even from the people on the Telegram chat generally was very positive people yeah. did yeah. enjoy it and I would imagine that for Sightlines and I presume many other companies going forward, they're trying to find new ways to explore theatre. And that would also mean trying to extend this to wider audiences. Mm. And I think this is a great way to get people who may not necessarily want the formality of that traditional theatrical experience, you know, where you're sitting down watching a play for one and a half, two hours. Mm. You get to hear chat online. It sort of replicates the way in which perhaps people... Consume, consume information these days. Yeah. I think like as a ghost story, it was really good. I mean, I'm not sure whether you guys like were scared or whatever, but I was so scared. And also like <laughs> what like Matt was saying, right? Like the way that they framed things, like they always had something reflective or like transparent in the background. So you always felt like, oh, is the ghost there? Like is the ghost like lurking in the corner? So everyone was trying to scare each other in the Telegram chat for my show. So to me, as a ghost story, it really worked. But what about as a whodunit? Yeah, no, I'm not sure. So it's billed as Singapore's first interactive murder mystery. And I mean, never mind the interactive bit. I think the the telegram definitely kind of accounted for that. But murder mystery for me suggests that there would be several characters. You decide who is the one who who did something. I was expecting the classic whodunit. Something like that. But when we actually get to the meat of the story, someone's died and there are literally two other characters. And it seems it's either character A or character B and then it becomes But then character B dies? No, character B basically runs away so then the question that we are asked to participate in at the end and there's a poll is whether character A deserves to be charged for um, whatever reason and then we we basically answer a poll and then we get told what happens to each of those characters We're going to say what happens at the end Sure yeah, so basically what happens is that the recruit who runs away is found dead in a beach, I think some days later, mm-hmm. and the officer gets charged for negligence and gets a dishonorable discharge from the army or something like that. And I so, think the ghost did it? And, but then yeah. at the end, the ghost did it. <laughs> yeah. And yeah. there's also a very interesting plant. So this was, um, we were talking about this earlier. So at the start of the play, um, Derek, who is the artistic director of Sightlines, asks all of us, oh, can we have a volunteer? And this very enthusiastic um girl called Clara says, oh, I will do it. And, you know, we're like, okay, okay, whatever. As do many others, but she gets inverted commas randomly picked. She gets randomly picked. And then at the end, we get the screen on her and she's supposed to read out the verdict where we have chosen what to do with this this character, the officer. And then the sort of image of this quote-unquote ghost comes yeah. from behind and... In a huge jump scare. Nabila, how did you take that one? Oh my god, I don't I don't even think my eyes were open. Like, the moment I saw a movement behind her, I was like... Because, because her door was wide open, yeah. right? So already yeah. I was like, why is her door open? And then I knew something was going to happen and then, uh, you know, yeah. and then the ghost comes out, of course. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> Look, to be to be fair, I did not see that coming at all. I thought they genuinely got, um um you know, a volunteer from the audience because, you know, she kind of played it very, very... 
um, yeah. calm. Like you know, she she was just, oh, can you repeat the instructions? What am I meant to do? Or oh, just read this out? Like yeah, she, she did feel like she'd been dragged in off she, the street, did, so to speak. Exactly, exactly. Yeah. I'm just being a a nice good Samaritan. <laughs> um, so yeah, that was that was an interesting touch at the end. It was probably filmed beforehand, yeah, I would yeah. imagine. It worked really well. And yeah, look, I think. We should maybe talk a little bit about the the cast. Mm-hmm. Um, I thought they actually performed their roles well. I mean, obviously, there's Sichuan's writing, which was, you know, quite authentic and real. He's done the National Service mm. play before, and there is that authenticity to the dialogue. Um, I, I mean, I felt thematically it could have kind of gone into the elements of class and even race a little bit more. But, mm. you know, Bright Ong playing the role of that, you know, slightly more disgruntled, salt-of-the-earth, typical heartlander, character I think yeah I thought he had a really really good scene where I think he was talking to the was it the girlfriend girlfriend? or something yeah and he went through a whole range of emotions in this really wide-ranging monologue I thought he did a good job I actually really liked the scene where he was telling his girlfriend the ghost story and and then Mm. the girlfriend was apparently reacting in a negative (laughs) way but it just felt like a very very natural natural conversation Mm. that you would overhear you know um amongst boyfriend and girlfriend mm-hmm. so that that felt nice and, and there was a lot of that kind of imagined interlocutor stuff where they're speaking mm-hmm. to the camera as if we are the we girlfriend. are the person they're yeah. speaking to yeah. so that that i think again felt or the quite interrogator nice. in the case of Owen. yeah yeah or and Owen yeah. speaks to a girlfriend i think or or, or a ex-girlfriend rather and again you know if we get the sense that like you know um who that person is we're put in mm-hmm. place of that person so that was nice um perhaps i felt in terms of casting maybe i wasn't so sure about Ishat Dawood as the the recruit character he's supposed to come from this very privileged background and mm. uh, be the white horse i mean that did not necessarily come across in the scenes yeah I mean, he's a former student of mine and i thought in terms of the emotions and the interaction with the other characters because he was actually in a duologue scene there as well mm. which i thought they'd been filmed separately in green screen but no they they actually weren't <laughs> they seemed to be in the same space by the end i thought it was very good in that but yeah he's supposed to be uh, an elitist acs student and that yeah. that didn't really come across yeah, so I mean look, I think it was it was well acted, very very well done in terms of the multimedia and the filmic elements and all that. So I think as far as a theatrical experiment goes, if we come back to that term, mm. it's a good one and I I'm very curious. I I I think the company's actually working on some sort of a sequel, so yeah. do stay tuned to that. <laughs> um it, it might well be a continuation or um yeah. another exploration of the story, but I think it's something which we would be quite keen to see oh, more definitely. Yes. It was such a vital experiment at this time. I mean, mm. all our resources have been taken away. As a yeah. teacher, I'm now trying to teach a subject predicated on physical contact without physical contact. Yeah. So I absolutely applaud them for making this. And I think that the amount that not just that company, but that everyone will learn from this mm. is huge. Yeah. So huge round of applause from me. Yeah, yeah. So yeah, so that was Murder and Monday Camp. Which brings us on to Fat Kids Are Harder to Kidnap on on Zoom. (laughs) Yeah, so Fat Kids Are Harder to Kidnap. I've watched um, earlier iterations of this show um, when it was just called called Fat Kids Are Harder to Kidnap. And it's always the same thing where it's a bunch of young, usually youngish actors. uh, And it's a kind of sketch style. So there's always like, I think about 15-ish very, very short sketches that they have to cover within 30 minutes, right? So they're all about like one to two minutes long. Playlets. Yeah, playlets. Yeah, more like. 
Um, and the audience get to decide the order of these playlists, right? Which is super exciting. Um, it works in real life and it works on Zoom as well. And how they did it for this one was they would get people to shout out the numbers, right? Yeah. Um, and, and so they would ask you to on uh, switch on your audio to shout and the numbers. And your camera. Yeah. Um, so for this particular version, it's kind of uh, themed. Um, the theme was COVID. Right, so all the playlets were about like satires, basically, on how Singapore has dealt with COVID, yeah. circuit breaker, and like the different things that people are doing in their houses. So, um, there was one that's like um COVID cooking, that yeah. was I think about a play, as in a play on how people are all like cooking. What are people doing? People are baking stuff. Yeah, ba- and, like, making... everyone's turned into an overnight chef <laughs> and is making you know the latest food. The food fed, right? Yeah, and then uploading the it on YouTube fed. or whatever. Yeah. Everyone's an influencer now. Everybody's a home exactly. cook. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. And then speaking of that, there's one called uh, TikTok hand washing. Which is really good. How can we describe TikTok hand washing? Finger Ooh. choreography. It basically, finger, yes. it's basically someone finger sanitizing dancing. their hands or washing their hands uh, in a very artful and choreographed manner. And I was actually very impressed by that. That's really good. Yeah. yeah, that was that was um, Vesterung. Vesterung, Vesterung. Yeah, thank you. Yeah, yeah. really Th- strong. TikTok hand washing. I mean, like I wasn't as blown away as you guys because I'm on TikTok and I've you're wa- young. <laughs> no, because I've watched quite a lot of these things on yeah. TikTok and like young people are super super talented guys with their oh, hands yeah. and dancing and stuff. So so I just thought it was a nice kind of like parallel of what people are actually doing on TikTok and you know. Yeah, but also very well executed. Yeah, very, yeah, and also very topical, right? Because of hand washing and sanitizing. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, and and look, I think the the group is young. I mean, it's so it's by how drama, and you know they 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 know their audience. I mean, this is very much a kind of almost Gen Z, a Generation Zoomer, Zoomer. audience, basically. Um, and and the little plays definitely you know are yeah. are targeted at that kind of demographic. So you've got TikTok, you've got like you know lip syncing to like pop songs. You've got um you know Nas Daily. Yeah, you've got a spoof of the Nas Daily kind of vlog. Mm. So you know very much like things which this generation, you know, maybe the sort of like the I guess millennial slash Zuma generation. <laughs> you just want to be in that group, right? Yeah, I know. I totally want to be in that group. Uh, uh, would be would be would be kind of more acquainted with. Yeah. And and I think it's nice that they've incorporated elements of our life in COVID, so it's very relatable, very authentic. Mm. Um, and yeah, you know, I think one thing for me was the element of interactivity. I mean, we talked earlier about Mandai Camp, and that yeah. one there was clearly that element of participation because we are part of this chat group. Whereas and the play itself was. Clearly pre-recorded. Yeah. Mm. Whereas this one, so it is a live play, but really the only element of interactivity is is someone screaming out a number, which then they use to yeah. determine the order which, of the plays. It's, it wasn't by any means always the first number or the loudest number that got picked yeah. either. And yeah. I've been doing um, trying to devise a play online over Zoom with students because. We've got a collaborative project thing for the IB coming up. And if that examination can't happen, we're going to have to do it online. So I wanted to get ahead of the curve. <laughs> and so I understand the challenge because if scene one is in your bedroom and then scene two is mm. in your kitchen, you probably don't have time to mm. set up your kitchen. So you have to go to scene five and then come to scene two. So you think there's but, a little bit of choreography and like which numbers would... Might there have must have been because we saw the different performers and some of them worked in different rooms yeah. and maybe they've got multiple cameras set up but a lot of it seemed like Pavan J Singh clearly had a very nice setup in his room for example mm. but a lot of them moved to different rooms and that takes 
time and checking your camera framing and things like that. So, and they are under time pressure to do it. Yeah. Did it matter for you the different orders that might no, get called? No, actually, it didn't.、Mm. It didn't. I think it might have been fun superficially, but even if they had just performed the place from one to fifteen in that order, I think it, there was enough in it just to get yeah get a good experience overall.、Mm. And and that's the, I mean for me like I I felt this this was a production that was not meant to be overly cerebral、no. at all. It's just fun. It's fluffy. Quite frivolous occasionally, and you know it. It did what it said on the tin.、Yeah. I mean, it was something、yeah. I enjoyed. Just a half an hour show, very bite-sized and easy. And、yeah. it's interesting because we watched a show by a young theatre company a couple of months ago. Um, called Fika and Fishy, and that was a show in 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 that podcast we talked about how it was something which perhaps would have been more suited for like you know YouTube or you know these、like、more sketch kind sketch of kind of experience. Thought it was deeper than it was. It 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 kind of was a full on one and a half hour long play, and I think this group、Format. knows exactly、mm. how to deliver those kind of sketches, the meme humor we talked about.、Yeah. And all that in that very punchy,、yeah. bite-sized way. They knew they were a snack selection, not a three-course meal. <laughs> yeah. yeah, and they handled and that well. And I really enjoyed the snacks.、Yeah. So you know, I think they they did what they said on the tin. One thing that might have perhaps been improved on, and I and I think they might learn for the next one is Nabila. You were saying when you saw it live,、mm. that sense of the time pressure that they've、yes. got to get it done was really thrilling for the audience. Yep. Yeah, they needed to finish in thirty minutes, right? And with the live one, it felt like I was always reminded of the time. Was there a timer actually on yeah, the stage? Yeah, yeah, I believe there was. I always think there was one here, no, but this one there was, but it would only、uh, appear like towards like you know at the end of the sketch、yeah. or so. It wasn't like, always there right, when you could、right. see it. Yeah, so that time pressure element wasn't there for this one. Moreover, I very much assume live that you will see them running around. You'll get a sense of the. Buzz and the hustle as they try and、yeah. meet this deadline, whereas online they just shunted us to B-roll. They'd got this kind of trailer that they'd filmed, yeah. yeah. And any time we were between scenes, we just saw that, yeah. And so that's like the opposite of time pressure. That's like watching an ad, and you want to、yeah. skip the exactly, ad. Exactly, you know? exactly. And I know what you're talking about. Like you know where you have I've I've seen some very very powerful plays where you have an actor rushing from one scene to another,、mm. and you see them. Literally, kind of do that scene change within a couple of seconds,、mm-hmm. and it would have been nice to see that. I mean, obviously, I un- appreciate that would have required maybe some extra people to maybe film or whatever. But do you know, it, it probably wouldn't because again, working on this thing that I'm doing with my students, there's a scene where we start with a phone blue tack to a wall filming someone, and then they pick it up and they move it and they walk with it and they stick it on a mirror, or you can do it with handheld stabilizers, gimbals, and things like that. And I kind of wanted to see that backstage. Oh my God, they've got to make it!、Yeah. And you know, of course, you lose some of the the sense of of this is the start of the scene and this is the end of the scene, and I guess you lose some of that cleanness.、Mm. But I'd rather have the. Energy and the liveness and the tightrope walking、yeah. fear that it might go wrong than the finished quality that they successfully presented us with, and impressively so because it's hard、mm. filming in your bedroom、yeah. live. They did an amazing job of that,、they、but、did. perhaps too good a job. I want to see a bit of the mess. Yeah, I mean it's a choice, right? Is whether you want to be slick and kind of like cover up the you know the messiness of it, or、mm. deliberately choose to. Enhance it. And it was clearly an all. Yeah, it was clearly a deliberate choice, and they clearly succeeded in their、they、own did, terms.、Yeah. I just perhaps would have preferred the alternative. <laughs> Hope I get it next time. So, what did you think of the content itself? So, um, so it's actually been 
co-written by uh, by Melissa Sim, who also directed, as well as Jeremy Aoyong and the cast. And, and I think we should just maybe name them. So there was Ross Nazir, Pavan J. Singh, Nicholas Bloodworth, Victoria Chen, and Vesta Ng. Mm. So there were six of them who were all um, uh, part of this um, ensemble cast. Um, and yeah, yeah, what do you think of the content? I mean, the one that really struck me or stuck with me is um, the one by Vesta Ng. So Vesta Ng is a name that I'm not super familiar with. I don't know how... No, actually, I don't think I've heard of him, but um, I now want to see more of him on yeah. stage. And especially the, the kind of like sketch energy, I really felt that he had it. So he there was one particular playlet, and I can't remember which one it was actually mm. based on the name, but he was basically this kind of like... like energetic storyteller and he's like this obviously very colourful character telling you a story about like I don't know like kind of rules of having an adventure or something so he'll be yeah. like rule number storytelling for children or something, something and yeah. like that. so he'll be like rule number one do blah 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 and then instead of like hearing the thing the rule it would like kind of freeze right so it would yeah. like be it was as if it's like a zoom call that got frozen yeah. Um. and then and then he'd be like yeah and don't forget rule number one and of course we didn't hear rule number one and he would always be frozen and I thought he played that really well I was like laughing my ass was off was that technical difficulties was that what it was called I think was plausibly. Yeah, it could, could have be. been tech, it could have been technical difficulties because I think work call was the I actually enjoyed work call because that one mm. brought back memories because <laughs> <laughs> um because work call was basically about like a, a Zoom call between colleagues in a formal work environment where one person forgets to turn off his microphone yeah. and then has a has a private call where he's kind of shooting his mouth off about his boss. About his boss yeah. So that's that's that was again quite very very relatable. I uh, have to say. Yeah. So, um, yeah, look, um, I, I think they, they had a very nice presence. I enjoyed Ross Nazir's presence on stage a lot. Um, so she had a very, very uh, colourful personality. Mm. Um, and again, I, I think something that would probably have made more of an impact if I had the chance to see her live. Yeah. But she did a good job in her scenes. So she did a scene where she was doing a spoof of the Nas Daily vlog mm. called mm. Ross Daily. Yeah. Uh, and I think something called, was she the one who did pandemic hairstyling? I can't no, that was, uh, no, that was Victoria, Victoria. Chen was using Victoria her Chen. hair okay. to create a mask. That was quite funny. Oh yeah, oh that was actually was funny. That was funny. Yeah, yeah, yeah. No, I can't. She did something else, but um, it was still very funny. Yeah, I mean, it was really a, a load of skits, which is a diminutive thing to say, but they did them well. The the turning your hair into a mask. <laughs> how long should that last? Yeah, a couple of minutes. That's how long it lasted. Great. Well yeah. done. Yeah. That is true. And I have to say that, like, um, unlike their previous kind of, like, shows where it was more, like, laugh-out-loud comedy, this one was more, like, satirical and sometimes you would laugh but feel a bit bad. You yeah. Know I mean? like, and, and, you know, even though, like, some of the shows we've been, little playlets we've been describing sound quite frivolous, that there were some that actually had a very little bit of a political bite to yeah. them, which I did enjoy. So, Orange is the New is a very interesting one where it's basically ostensibly an eye test where you have this character who's just kind of telling you what colour he sees and he keeps seeing everything that's red as the colour orange until the final punchline where he's like, I'm attending the Doscon meeting. <laughs> and, you know, suddenly... I, I, do we get to hear everyone else's laughter? I was just going to make I this point. I heard a little bit of laughter. Yeah. I mean, Zoom doesn't do well do, with simultaneous it doesn't, it audio. Doesn't, but um, I imagine there will be quite a lot of belly laughs at that point when the final punchline gets delivered. So that was quite clever. Yeah. And also there was a bit where they were spoofing the government response to COVID. I think it was the kind of press, a press something, press call. Um, so that was actually very funny. It was a press interview where you have all these reporters asking a minister how he deals with COVID and he keeps 
kind of trying to evade the topic. So, you know, things like that yeah. that had a little political bite to them. I think that was that was quite a, quite an entertaining to watch. Meet the press, that was what yeah, it was. Yeah, yeah that's right. So what does this say about the new normal, guys? <laughs> um, I don't know. I think the new normal is experimental and full of like bumbling through mistakes, but not faulting anyone for it. Yeah, and what's more exciting than mistakes? Yeah. Yeah, what what gives you more room for growth? That's been really, mm. really nice to see. Yeah, and it feels like it's a communal event, you know, like watching mm. all these new things. Like you want to watch it and see what people are doing and kind of like be inspired by them. And, you know, in terms of like an artist watching these kinds of shows, you know, to see what else we can do with the medium. Yeah. Yeah, and I think there's probably a desire to... to because look, if they just do a very polished play online... What's to, how is that different from television? You know, in a sense, how is that different from consuming something on television? Mm. Or film? And of course, the National Theatre has been uploading all these wonderful yeah. shows that Archival. we can see. So, yeah. so it's good that they are bringing in these elements of interactivity because that takes the show one step further and acknowledges the fact that there is a live audience mm. and that you are playing to that person rather than playing to a blank screen. I mean, there's a lot of kinks to work out there, obviously, but it's exciting times. It is, it is. As well as terrifying times. <laughs> <laughs> and yeah, look, I, I, I mean, we unfortunately are going to be dealing with this situation yeah. for the next few months until phase three of this, um, you know... Possibly the end of the year. End of the year longer. or whatever, the next few months. Um, we've had... Almost all the major companies cancel their their shows for the year, yeah. so I can only imagine that we're going to see more and more of this this yeah. online theater activity. Because um, NEC's digitalization grant, like you can do these plays until the end of the year, so we are going to expect more of yeah. these shows for sure. And it's it's going to be interesting how that um, also affects the theater going crowd because mm. the traditional crowd um, I think would be quite keen to support it but it may also open the door to new audiences yeah. and I think these shows based on you know just who I saw responding and going and attending them might not have been the usual not the, the crowd. usual crowd as well so yeah. and there is I think both of these shows managed to get that sense of theatricality and that sense of community which really distinguishes them from TV. That's mm. what's been most heartening for me is that there is a sense that there is a possibility and a community here and that it's worth it. Mm. So tell your friends. Yeah, yeah. And, and if it's widening the audience, I'm all for it, right? Exactly. Yeah, so we'll uh, see some more coming up and hopefully it won't be four months until we get back to you again. <laughs> Thanks very much. Thank you Thank very you. much. And bye-bye. <laughs> <laughs>